What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 93 of WFS, The Will Ford Show. Coming off of a great weekend, UFC 246, the NFC and the AFC Championships in the NFL playoffs. Going to break down those. So we'll break down the Conor McGregor and the uh, Cowboy Donald Cerrone fight. Took just 40 seconds. We're going to break that down. And what is next for Conor McGregor? Look at both the AFC and the NFC Championship games. Let's dive into it. UFC 246 over the weekend. Really, I mean, the, the headliner was Conor McGregor and Donald Cowboy Cerrone. And Cowboy has uh, the most wins in the lightweight division in UFC history. Uh, just a, a an icon, a legend in the mixed martial arts world. And then, of course, the notorious Conor McGregor making his return and just a lot of anticipation surrounding the match. I sat down with amateur MMA fighter Tucker Rogers, who is 2-0 at the bantamweight division, uh, ranked in the top 100 in the Midwest uh, out of amateur bantamweights. We broke down that match in episode 92 over uh, just last week, last Friday, and he hit the nail on the head. He predicted a, a match or a fight, excuse me, where McGregor would just come out and, and get it done in round one or round two, and I mean we didn't even need a minute in the first round to get to to get it done. Uh, McGregor in forty seconds comes out with three or four shoulder checks right to the nose on Cowboy Cerrone, bloodies him up, his eyes start to swell, and then McGregor steps back, leg kick to the side of the head. And then from there on, it was basically hammer fists for for McGregor to, to, to take out Cerrone. Cerrone really got worked, really. It's it's sad. Like, imagine, you know, paying for ESPN Plus, because to watch the match, you had to have ESPN Plus. That's $5 a month or whatever it is. And then you had to pay $60 or so for the pay-per-view. Imagine paying all that money just really for that fight. Of course, you watch the other ones. I watched all of them. But paying that money to watch all the fights, but really you're only tuning in for McGregor and Cowboy and you get a 40-second fight. You're paying $65 for a 40-second fight. That's tough. That's a tough pill to swallow. Now, if you, it's much different if you go to the event. You're paying, I don't know, hundreds of dollars to go to UFC 246 and, and watch it and you see that 40-second fight. I think there's much more value there and you feel like you get a lot more out of it with the experience by just watching it on TV. Of course, you're surprised because the match is over in 40 seconds and you're like, wow. But then you're also like, huh, I didn't really get my money's worth for that one. Um, so kind of sucks. But I mean, hey, that's why we love sports. I mean, we'll pay for premium sports content. And that's what we got with Conor McGregor and Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, but Tucker Rogers really hit this one on the head. He predicted a, a first or second first or second round knockout for McGregor over Cerrone. Took 40 seconds, a TKO. A lot of us maybe thought that Cowboy would take Connor to the ground, try to extend this match as long as he could, and he and you get you get the feeling if if Cowboy can get this fight past round two, he would have a legitimate shot to win because he is excellent in the long game. I mean, he can win any type of fight. But, I mean, he is just fantastic in rounds three, four, and five at closing the deal. 
uh, if you if you can get him to round three. But Conor McGregor victorious, and now he really reinserts himself after a break right into championship consideration. And when you look at what's next for Conor McGregor, I mean, Dana White said it in the UFC 246 presser after the fight. We're looking at a, a lightweight title shot, and hopefully it's against the current champion, Habib Nurmagomedov. If we remember what happened the last time these two set foot in the cage together, Habib really just took it to Connor, submitted him, and the last two losses for McGregor before this win against Cerrone, he lost by submission to Nate Diaz and Habib. And, I mean, Habib really just went at Connor and, I mean, just made it look easy. So this is a highly anticipated rematch. Habib versus Connor, part two. Uh, but this is all dependent on if Habib remains champion uh, for this potential future matchup because Habib is currently set to face Tony Ferguson in April. But Habib has to win this fight before a rematch with Connor can take place. And if Habib wins, he's unlikely to fight again until the fall due to Ramadan. So that means that means Connor McGregor is going to have to sit out for the next nine months. Which, I mean, he's he's done that before, but he's going to have to sit out for the next nine months, really train, really get in tip-top shape. He, he really wants to be active this year, Connor does. He wants to fight four times this year, but if, he's, if he wants that title shot against Habib, he may have to wait nine months. And, I mean, that's what he'll do. That's what he'll do if that's what it comes down to. But if, if there's someone for Connor to fight in the meantime, if this matchup, this rematch between him and Habib does not take place for... You know, another nine months after Habib's April matchup with Tony Ferguson. Another matchup I think that would make sense and I think would be very entertaining would be Jorge Masvidal. I think that would be the best fit. I think that would be a an excellent fight. I would definitely tune in and watch that. I would, but I think I think what's really on the minds of UFC fans is when is that title shot going to be? With Habib, because I think a lot of people assume Habib is going to take down Tony Ferguson. We'll see here in April, but that's a long time to wait. We got a couple of months till then, but that's what I want to see is Connor versus Habib part two. But right now, the Notorious is back, and he looks really, really good in the lightweight division. I mean, he just made quick work of Cowboy. Went for that. Basically, just loaded up and, and fired away earlier or early. A uh, left hand coming hard at Cowboy. Cowboy ducked. They got locked up in a clinch. And then from the clinch, just four, three or four shoulder shots right to the nose on, on Cowboy. That really disoriented him. And then dropped him with a leg kick. And then from there, it was, it was over, man. It was done. Quick work. Conor McGregor over Cowboy Cerrone. Tucker Rogers called it. Way to go, man. Shout out to you. And hopefully we'll have you back on the pod sometime soon to break down some more MMA. Also over the weekend, conference championship play in the NFL. We had the AFC and the NFC championships. The Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Tennessee Titans. And the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Green Bay Packers. Now the Titans were, by and large, the the best story, the Cinderella story of the NFL playoffs eliminating the dynasty in New England, taking down the Patriots, 
you beat the number one seed, the Baltimore Ravens, and eliminate that that high octane offense. And I mean, they have an excellent defense too, running all over that defense. But I, you just—it's very tough in the playoffs to have performances like that week after week after week, especially when you're going up against a team that has Patrick Mahomes on the other side. I mean, he is just a game wrecker. Aside from that, I mean, on the offensive side of things, you really want to stick to your game plan running the football. Derrick Henry had 180 yards rushing plus in the previous three weeks leading up to the AFC Championship. And so really it was a key focus for the Chiefs to stop the run and really contain Derrick Henry. And they they did just that. 19 carries, 69 yards, and, and one touchdown. Only 69 yards compared to the 180 that he's been dropping on teams the previous three weeks against the Ravens and the Patriots in the playoffs, knocking out both of those teams. 69 yards, and the the Chiefs have a very good inside run defense. They have some big physical defensive tackles inside that can clog holes, make it very difficult to create lanes in the run game. And they executed their game plan to perfection because Derrick Henry barely touched the ball in the second half and did not touch the ball in the fourth quarter. So not exactly what the Titans were hoping for. They were hoping to milk clock and really just control the game on both sides of the ball at the line of scrimmage, offensive line play and defensive line play. Now they did a decent job in the run game, the Titans did on defense, but you just can't contain Patrick Mahomes for too long until he he just explodes, he makes plays that no one else on the planet can, maybe no one else in the history of the game can, and it's tough, man. And then when you have to rely on Ryan Tannehill, and I like Ryan Tannehill. He's a solid option at quarterback. He can win you football games. I mean, he got you to an AFC championship. I mean, it wasn't just Derrick Henry and the defense that got him there. I mean, Ryan Tannehill had to make clutch throws on third down and be solid and be, and be efficient to get him there. Tannehill's no scrub. But when you have to rely on him a little bit more when it's not what you have been doing the previous three weeks, it's tough. It's tough to win a game and, and play from behind given the Titans' play style. And I said before the game on Twitter, the Titans reminded me a lot of the 2017-2018 Jacksonville Jaguars that made the AFC Championship a couple years ago against the New England Patriots. The Jaguars had an amazing defense. I mean, that's, that's one of the best best defenses in the the last decade or two. And then you have... Strong offensive line play, Leonard Fournette in the backfield, that power run game, and then Blake Bortles won't kill you, he'll do enough. He'll convert on those third downs, those third and mediums, and he'll occasionally give you a good throw down the field over the middle. But that team was too limited offensively. They didn't have the offensive weapons or good enough quarterback play to make that work. This Titans team I thought was different. Because Tannehill, for one, is a better quarterback than Blake Bortles. And our offensive line, I think I think their offensive line and their weapons on the outside, I think, I mean, it's all top tier. That offensive line, I think, is a top five, top ten defense, or uh, that offensive line, excuse me, is a top five offensive line in football. Maybe top ten, depending on where you want to put other teams. Derrick Henry, a power back, leading the league in rushing, 
just ran all over teams really from week 10 on. And then you have A.J. Brown, Adam Humphreys, Corey Davis, and three outstanding tight ends. I mean, that's a far, I think that's a far better offense than what the Jaguars had in 2018. On the flip side, though, defensively, their defense isn't as strong. It's stout, but it's not strong. And it's not Jaguars caliber, but it was still pretty, pretty good. But at, at the end of the day, you're going up against Patrick Mahomes, and I guess I just didn't account for his greatness. I mean, he is just spectacular. Makes plays that no one else can on the football field. And Mahomes burnt me. But I really felt like the Titans had a legitimate shot that if they were in the game in the fourth quarter, which they were hanging around, give them credit. I I gave them a legitimate shot. And they had an outstanding run. And although they didn't make it to the Super Bowl, I think the next best thing to winning a Super Bowl is knocking the New England Patriots out of the playoffs. So congrats to the Titans. On the NFC side of things, San Francisco just stomped Green Bay. I mean, the the 49ers, the run game was incredibly paramount, incredibly incredibly important. And the Packers going into that game at the 23rd ranked rush defense in football. The Packers have a terrible run defense. And it really showed. Raheem Mostert, who has been considered a journeyman, throughout his career in the NFL, had 220 yards rushing and four rushing touchdowns. And three of his rushing touchdowns were in the first half. And he had over 100 yards rushing in the first half. The The, the Packers just couldn't stop those those zone runs. Outside, inside zones, they, they just couldn't stop them. And Mostert made them pay. Tevin Coleman did go down with a shoulder injury, which is what allowed Mostert to to get all those carries and be so effective. But, I mean, the Packers, I think, have always been kind of an imposter this entire year. A team, I, I if this was like Tinder, I would have swiped left on the Green Bay Packers because I, I just don't buy into them and what they do. They they For the entirety of the season, they have never played the, like the best football team on the field. I mean, week 17 against, or week 16 or 17, they played the D- Detroit Lions for a chance to lock up a first-round bye. And with the Lions on like their third or fourth-string quarterback, they had to kick a field goal to win. So I, I never really bought into the Packers and what they were doing. And they got they got spanked earlier in the year by the 49ers, and they got spanked again. And Aaron Rodgers' Super Bowl window, I think it's still open. I think they have a talented roster. I mean, they made it to the NFC Championship while playing like they weren't the better team for most of the year. But I think if you just make some changes in personnel, especially on defense, I think you need to really improve the run defense. Uh, Maybe get yourself another wide receiver. I think they've got a run game now in Aaron Jones. But I think if you give Matt LaFleur another year, a head coach, and you kind of rework your personnel on the defenses out of the ball, they can get to the quarterback. They just can't stop the run. I think that'll really help them out. Uh, And then they need to be less cautious on the offensive side of the ball. That's what I noticed really throughout the year is that Aaron Rodgers has kind of become a 
he was he was known for taking shots down the field, the Hail Mary master. And you just didn't really see a lot of that this year. Granted, Hail Marys are rare situations, but I mean just taking shots down the field in general. We saw a lot more cautious football from Aaron Rodgers than we're accustomed to seeing, and I would like to see the playbook opened up a little bit more for Rodgers, allow him to improvise more, and make plays down the field. I think that's going to make the Packers a better team and a contender moving forward instead of a pretender. But now previewing this matchup, I'm not going to give a prediction for the 49ers and the Chiefs because I think it's... I want to give myself a little bit of time to stew over it. But I think some keys for Super Bowl 54 in Miami. This is, I mean, this is going to be an outstanding matchup, but Chiefs 49ers. The thing about the 49ers is they have multiple ways they can beat you. They can beat you thrown over the top to Emmanuel Sanders and, and Debo, Samuel, uh, Debo Samuel. excuse me. They can throw underneath George Kittle, and George Kittle will run over people. He is this generation's Gronk. And then you saw it against the Packers, the run game. Raheem Mostert ran for 220 yards. And, I mean, if Tevin Coleman's healthy, it's another back. They can beat you on running the football, passing underneath, passing deep. Well, I mean, there's not much else you can ask for out of an offense. And defensively, they've got the best front seven in football. Quan Alexander's return at the linebacker position has really given that defense a jolt. And and the thing too about the 49ers is they can beat you by just running by just running the football. They don't have to do all three of those things to win. They can just literally pick one and just hammer with you, hammer you with it the whole game. So Mostert had 220 yards rushing and four touchdowns. You know how many times Jimmy Garoppolo threw the football in the NFC Championship? Eight times. He completed six of eight passes for 77 yards. He literally did not have to do anything except catch a snap and hand it off to Mostert and just let the offensive line do its thing. That's the unique thing about the 49ers, and that's going to give the Chiefs uh, a it's going to give the Chiefs a lot to think about and a lot to to game plan for. So, for the Chiefs, the Chiefs really have to worry about. I think for the most part, even though the, the 49ers can beat you in multiple different ways, I think they really have to, to key in on the outside zone run because the 49ers run that really well. We saw it in the NFC Championship, and the Chiefs have problems defending the outside zone run. They have a great defensive line and a great pass rush, but the interior of their line is what's best at stopping the run for them. They're great inside zone stuffers, but they will not be able to stop the run on the outside. They just they just don't have that outside presence to keep contain and force a running back back inside. I think that the outside zone run is going to have to be a key of emphasis for Andy Reid's defense. And for the 49ers, they only have one thing to worry about, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> but that's a lot easier said than done. Super Bowl 54 is on February 2nd. It's going to be a good one, man. Uh, the, I'm more excited about this Super Bowl than I have been about any Super Bowl in the last, I don't know, five years. So thank you for joining me for episode 93 of WFS, The Will Ford Show. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at The Will Ford Show. Rate and, re- rate and review the show on iTunes. Like and comment on SoundCloud. You can also follow me and subscribe on SoundCloud as well. And you also can follow my Facebook page. Check out all my episode links. That's where I post all my episode links and other content. 
predictions for games, matchups, things like that. But thank you for joining me in episode 93. We'll see you in episode 94. This is WFS, The Will Ford Show.